Hi everybody, my name is Landon Ernest. Thanks for listening to episode 162 of the Vortex Apologetic Podcast. Welcome to the Vortex Apologetic, where substance reigns over mindless entertainment. Because biblical truth matters in a profound, timely, and urgent way in a lost and dying world. And now, introducing your humble servants in Jesus Christ, Ricardo, a.k.a. B, Arenas, and Jeff, the Brain, Claiborne. Father, uh, we live in troubled times, and uh, the more that we, Brief and I look into the news, and our audience also looks in, we look into the current events, the more we see how troubled our day and age is. But so, Father, we pray that you would give us perspective in everything that's happening and help us to be a help to our neighbors, a benefit to our churches, and a witness to, you, witness to others when it comes to our faith in you, and help us to live a life that is positive and beneficial and not negative, not something that would cause problems or issues when it comes to how we address other people and how we address you. So, Father, we pray that you'd guide us during this podcast, guard our tongue, strengthen our mind, and I pray that um, it would be honoring and glorifying to you in christ's name we pray amen amen my brother how are you bro good man how you doing i'm doing pretty good you know staying busy staying out of trouble (laughs) had to speak in the middle of that prayer but yeah that's good so you got uh like a dump truck or something working outside of your window there or something yeah i think it's the the trash man picking up the trash buckets Ah, that would... I was looking at this. They're actually running late. It's 4.05 here, wow. and usually pick up around noon, so I'm surprised that they're out there this late. Well, well, it's always good to pick up trash. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, brother, we, we got a time frame on this one, so we got we to gotta get right on it, don't we? Yes, sir. You know, we, we got quite a bit of uh, 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 stuff we got to get through, so... My goodness, you know? I mean, in a, in a week, maybe a little over a week, China has just gone wacky. In Shanghai, people, 26 million people in that city, and that entire city is locked down. Now, think 26 million. Some, wow. Someone said that's three times bigger than New York. And if you duplicated New York three times, that would be Shanghai. And, and you know how big that's big. That's really big. Complete lockdown. When people can't get food, they're they're starving in their apartments. I've heard of people committing suicide. Wow. 
uh, you know, jumping out of windows. Um, mm-hmm. It's just really bad. What's what the Chinese uh, Communist Party is doing to them, and all because they say there's an outbreak. Now, if 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 the lockdown was for their protection, mm-hmm. how is it protecting them if if it's starving them to death? They can't get food. Nobody's delivering food. How are you going to deliver food to 26 million people? You got all the stores are closed. The grocery stores are closed. I've heard of looting going on out there because people are starving. You know, yeah. when they loot out here, it's because they have some uh, some um, crazy cause. You know, they, they just go and loot stores because, well, well, it's Black Friday, right? It's the day after Thanksgiving. We have to go loot the stores, you know. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, but there, they're looting to, to survive, you know. I mean, this is, is this efficient government? No. Is this biblical government? No. And anyone who would say it is biblical government, I think they just got, got their um their comeuppance when it comes to trying to justify that what's going on in shanghai right now is biblical it's not mm. it's pure evil and my heart goes out to those folks um i mean i i, I don't know how the reaction would be in this country if that were to happen but i, I think we'd have a full revolt on our hands i think so i don't think yeah. a lot of people would be happy you know no, uh, especially no. with what we've gone through already. Yeah, um, and, you know, I, I was looking at the as you were talking about um, you know the situation there in uh, Shanghai. Uh, I was reading here it says cases in Shanghai surge on Wednesday to another record high of twenty six thousand three hundred and thirty. Check this out, of which just eleven hundred and ninety were symptomatic. So this is not about. An outbreak. This is I, about power and control. You, you think, brother? I mean, yeah, twenty six thousand three thirty, and only eleven hundred ninety are symptomatic. I that's something doesn't connect there. No, it's not connecting. It's all about power and control. Mike Jaco, um, who was a former Navy SEAL and former CIA operative, uh, used to work for the CIA. I heard. I was watching him, and he said that this is a tactic that communists often do. They will bring you to the brink of starvation. Then they will come in and provide the solution to the problem that they caused. But only those who fall in line with the government and with everything that the communists are telling them, Mm. only they get the help and nobody else. So this is, this is clearly a tactic to bring the Chinese people into conformity. But, I mean, I didn't see where Shanghai was out of conformity when it came to their government dictates. So, to me, it seems that this would be an experiment. Oh, yeah. There's got to be. And then it says here, there is no end in sight to the lockdown, Mm -hmm. despite there being no official deaths reported right well no official deaths there's deaths but they're not from the out any kind of an outbreak and i think that's but, what they're saying here yeah right right but the thing is is that um if they can be successful in doing this in shanghai 26 million people then i'm sure they'll be in 
emboldened to do it in a wider scale. Oh, yeah. And, and you know what, brother? Yeah. I think uh, you were just mentioning it's something else. Control. Right after that comment, it says, Yet the Chinese government continues to relentlessly pursue its no-tolerance, zero-COVID strategy at the cost on the economy and social stability are mounting. As the cost of the economy and social stability are mounting. So that tells you it's about control. They don't want nobody to test positive for COVID. Because if, you know, even a small portion of people do, guess what? We're going to lock you down until we get rid of it. We're going to force ourselves upon you so that we can get rid of this. You think that would fly in the United States of America, brother? Um, you know, you wonder. Um, I think there would be an element of the nation that would take up arms. And another element that would just go ahead and conform. Mm, yeah, um, I, I, it depends on your political ideology. It depends on how you've been raised. Um, if you've really been um, manipulated by the government education system, mm. if you if you un have been under that kind of mind control, and uh, you just easily conform in that sense, someone once said that. Um, The Chinese people are the first target of that of that kind of an experiment because they're very conformative people. They conform to the authorities above them very easily. Mm. Um, now, that some people here would be that way, but not all. That's the thing. I guarantee you in this county where I'm living right now, uh -huh. there would never be a lockdown. Mm. It would never happen. Sure. Because uh, the people out here, they wouldn't, they'd say, okay, you got to go lock, you got to lock down now. And they'd all look at them and start laughing <laughs> and go, uh, no. <laughs> you want to try that again, Sherlock? Yeah. <laughs> they won't do it. Yeah. You know? Good luck um, with that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was looking at, uh, we have an election coming up. So I was trying to do research on the election for this county. And I was looking at a thing that said um, it was given the the political climate of the counties and so forth. It said Stanley County, North Carolina, extremely conservative. Mm. <laughs> Not just conservative, like, but like extremely. almost completely <laughs> off the scale, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> I was like, okay, I think I'm and in the a, right county. <laughs> a different category of uh, conservatism, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I went to I went to have my teeth done at my dentist. I had, I had to get a filling done on it, and uh, we got talking about guns, and now we we're going to go out shooting together. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, it's like you know, that's just kind of the way the place is. So that's how you know <laughs> you're really not in California, bro. <laughs> no, not at all. When you go when you go shooting guns with your dentist, you know. So uh, <laughs> wow, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, it's kind of nice. But anyway, so speaking of um, COVID, which is what that whole lockdown is about, I'll, I'm going to play something here in just a moment that was a shock to millions of people yesterday. Mm. Okay. Out of, off of Stu Peters' uh, program, where he interviewed Dr. Uh, Arvey, 
And uh, something was revealed that shocked millions of people. And this thing's going viral. It's going worldwide. It's already been censored on YouTube. Mm. I checked it. It's already been censored. But you can get it at other places. And uh, I'm going to play a portion of it. But before we do that, um, you know, remember I told you that uh, you'd be receiving $400 from your governor up to two cars, right? Right. For the gas. Well, uh, more things are happening in California now. Um, you ready? Are you ready to go to a four-day work week, brother? <sighs> <laughs> Have you what's heard about it, that? What's it going to cost me? That's what I want to know. <laughs> Nothing. Uh, they're trying to mandate in California that any company, and I would assume that would include the government, uh, with over 500 employees would be mandated to a four-day work week. Ten hours each, I'm assuming? I would assume ten hours, yeah. yeah. Four tenths? I mean, yeah. I don't mind it. There's days where I'm working nine and a half, ten hours, so it doesn't really make a difference to me. <laughs> well, my question is, is customer service going to be available on Friday? Well, and that's going to be the multi-million dollar question, right? Are you going to have customers on Friday? Have, I mean, the customer service on Friday, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Another thing I read about California, have you heard of New California? Yeah, stinking New California. Um, the, the the whole secession thing going on yeah. again? Yeah. 26 yeah. out of 28 counties apparently are on board with it? Yeah, they want to separate from California or create a new California. But a new California. Basically, a new California with a and bunch of different ice- states within California, right? So, so which 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 two counties are will be isolated by this move? <laughs> I mean, apparently, they've got their own legislature. They've passed their own resolutions. They've kind of created a government within the government, or government yeah. separate from the government, I should say. Yeah, it it almost reminds me of, um, and I saw a documentary. Uh, what what was it? It was close to Death Valley where uh, there's a town, and I can't remember how much the population is. It's like very, very little in the population. But the cops don't even go in there, bro. <laughs> really? They don't go in there. So they have their own little sense of government in there, uh, how they protect and patrol that area. I mean, nobody really wants to live out there except the people that are that are, that are there or have established themselves within you know the last 10 years. But I've heard no, of that. Town. They got their own. The only thing that comes in and goes, obviously, they need gasoline. So there's like a little gas station and a post office. Other than that, right? They, they said like don't, nobody calls nine one one here. Because I saw <laughs> the same documentary on that same town. Yep. Right. It's like in the I, middle of nowhere. It's mm-hmm. hot. I mean, super yep. hot. It's just. There's and there's a base. Is it the Groom Lake nearby or the I naval believe base? So. Yeah, yeah and watch, that's about the only thing yeah. that's closest, right? Yeah, and that's I've driven by Groom Lake. It is desolate out there. There is nothing. <laughs> it's <is> desolate. <laughs> they say there's some secret stuff on that base, but we won't get into that. But uh, <laughs> so just imagine a bunch of different um, counties with uh, their own uh, set of rules. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was a, quite an interesting place. Uh, that documentary was really good. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so, yeah, that's what's happening. Um, anyway, I'm trying to think of what else 
there's some other things I was going to mention, but now I'm, I'm thinking about Groom Lake. So <laughs> you're thinking vacation, huh? <laughs> yeah, got me thinking about my old branch of service, the Navy. But anyway, um, yeah. So let me get into this. Um, so what was the big shocker? Well, I think this is going to so if people are going to react one way or the other. They're going to say, oh, that's just conspiracy theory stuff. Well, there's been a lot, a ton of documentation to actually back this up, what, what's being said here. But, um, or are people going to react with horror? And uh, let me play this for you and then give a little bit of hope afterwards. But here we go. This one's going to be a little bit different, ladies and gentlemen. There was a, uh, a moment of shock. That occurred yesterday when Stu Peters' uh, Watch the Water documentary was aired. And uh, I'm going to take a moment and play that moment of shock for you. In the beginning, in January of 2020, the scientists inside of China said this can't be from these bats. These bats hibernate and it's the winter. When they did genetic sequences from the antibodies in the people who were sick in Wuhan, they found that their genetic sequence was not most like bats. They were most like two snakes. Proteins from the Chinese crate and the king cobra. Then I find in April 2020, there's a research study published in France where they're finding that the receptors in the brain called nicotinic acetylcholinesterase receptors, that these are actually bound most tightly to snake venom of crate and cobra is what they're finding. And that the spike protein from SARS-CoV-2 is most identical to Chinese crate and king cobra venom then I find out that there's a there's an actual doctor who works at the University of Pittsburgh in May. This is this is insane. Right? May of 2020. Yeah, works in a computational lab dealing with genetic sequencing, and he's been researching for five months sequencing of spike proteins, trying to solve the mystery of SARS-CoV-2 victims. And he says he's got a big thing to big press release. They're going to actually announce all their findings. Bing Lu is his name. Set back in the quest to understand coronavirus after a researcher is shot and killed. 37-year-old Bing Lu was on the verge of making significant findings on COVID-19. And that's when I freaked out. That's when I freaked out. Also, all of the clippings in the media when they interview his boss, who is still at the University of Pittsburgh, last name is Bahar. Every time he was interviewed, he said that they were going to publish the work they found through Bing Lu's work in their department. That's never been published. I'd like to know why a year and a half later that's never been published. A year and a half. Where is it? And then all of a sudden, the realization came that uh, this is the great lie. When I say that they have lied to you about everything in relationship to COVID, they've even lied about the viral part of COVID. I have to understand here. My entire stance for the last year and a half has been to educate, warn, 
people about hospital protocols because of a drug called remdesivir, right? So in this realization that this could all be related to venom, something bothered me in the January 21st EUA that came out from the FDA about remdesivir. In this 42-page document, it actually says there's only one drug that cannot be co-administered with remdesivir at the same time because it negates the antiviral properties of remdesivir, and that drug is hydroxychloroquine. In 2020, January, there's this incredible study that's published where there's been over like a 10-year period where a company has been funding a research study gene mapping all the genes of the venoms and proteins and peptides inside of king cobra venom and in january 2020 they published their findings oh ask me if i was shocked when i saw that it was 19 toxic venom proteins that they isolated that specifically target organs in your body so i go to the funding part of this study and i want to know well how many who funded this and how many companies it says that uh, the majority of the companies funding and studies funding came from a company called gene and tech gene and tech is a subsidiary of a company called roche i don't know anything about these companies i've never even heard of them the employees of gene gene and tech who were the authors of this study said they have a conflict of interest because they share they actually hold shares and stocks in roche and all I did was go like this. This is not a joke. I was like, Genentech. Never heard of Genentech. Is there a correlation between Genentech and Gilead? This is not a joke. I typed it on the internet. Is there a connection to Genentech and Gilead? Oh, my God. Gilead bought two facilities that deal with biological studies from Genentech in 2011 and then brought 55 of their executives into Gilead in 2011, just when that King Cobra study started. All right, let me uh, interrupt. There's more that I could play here, but you get the gist of it. Mm. Um, Cobra, huh? Yeah. <clears throat> now, it goes on. It talks about other aspects of the snake venom being used, but you can see the uh, connection, the number 19. Why do they call it COVID-19? 19 toxic substances hmm. in, in, in it, in, in the COVID. Um, created in a lab, we, well, we, we reported on that for quite a while back, and others have really re done a lot of work on reporting that. And that was considered a conspiracy theory until recently. Now everybody knows it's true. It wasn't a natural virus that came from a bat or anything else. So he said when he searched bats, he could search that all, all you know, forever, and nobody would censor it. Mm, no yeah. fact checkers, nothing. As soon as he searched snakes in connection to COVID-19, the fact checkers came out of the woodwork to debunk it, right. which tells us it's true. 
because the fact checkers are not truth seekers. They are propaganda are a, a propaganda arm of the people who are foisting this upon humanity. They're propagandists. Fact checkers are. They're not truth tellers. You can pretty much figure if they fact check something uh, oh, th to that extent, where it's just you type it in and it's just pages and pages and pages of fact checking on it, that it's true. Mm. You know, they're trying to say it's not true. It's true. Yeah, that means they're that means the globalists, the the people who were behind this, are having a real reaction to that research. Right. Now, that's a documentary called Watch the Water. Uh, you can find it. If you go to my BitChute channel, C-Files, the video is titled, let me see if I can pull it up again. Uh, where are you? It's titled Special Report, The Connection Between COVID-19 MRNA Shots and Snake Venom on C-Files, on BitChute. Watch that video. When you get to that video, you can scroll down, and I have links that will take you to that um, the, the entire documentary. You can watch the entire documentary just by clicking in the, into those links. And that documentary, brother, is shocking. Uh, mm. I mean, it, it's even more shocking than the, the little bit that I I gave, that I just played on here. I can't play a whole lot of it. But there are also independent reports other than that that have verified it. Let me play a little bit more. And if I can get this cursor on my computer to work. Right, let me go back. Now I'm going to hit and we'll listen to a little bit more. So here we go. Well, that's not enough. This, this morning on the Stu Peters show. It's obviously a very sobering theory. We now know that the U.S. government is evil and that other governments around the world are the same way. But would they really poison their own citizens like Dr. Artis suggests? Well, Dr. Ariana Love says that she has proof for Dr. Artis's theory. She says that it's in the patents. PLA2 is an enzyme that occurs in snake venom, and Artis has found FDA documents approving it to be put in our food. She's also found snake venom listed as an ingredient in five separate COVID-19 related patents, but that's not the end of it. Now snake venom is being touted as a treatment for HIV as well. Dr. Love joins us now with more on this. So obviously you believe Dr. Artis's theory to be factually true. Yeah, absolutely. It's irrefutable proof that we have patents, receipts, everything. Yeah, snake venom, that's what they're using. So COVID-19 was never a virus at all. It has always been snake venom. COVID is the venom. Remdesivir is the venom. The injections are more venom. This is just the constant repeated envenomation of the global population. Poison. We're being poisoned worldwide. Okay, so if that's the case, I have a specific question. Why are kids largely not impacted by this envenomation? Well, children have higher um, levels of glutathione in their body. But so, so with, you know, they're probably using different degrees of poison and releasing more and more and more. And now with the children being injected, 
of course they're going to be getting sick. They already are. You know, they're in fact dropping dead worldwide. And, you know, doctors have told me this. So some children get mildly symptomatic. Uh, we've seen that. But largely the virus itself, or what we now know to be venom in the water, is not really largely impacting them. And you're saying that's because of this increased level of glutathione that children have. We've heard that melatonin is also an inhibitor of venom, snake venom specifically, and children have an increased level of melatonin in their body as well. Is that a plausible theory? Right, of course, yeah. Um, you know, when, you, when your body starts to age at age 26, you, you stop being able to absorb the glutathione into your cells. So, um, you know, but they're doing different levels of poison. Like they, they're incrementally hitting us with it. So, you know, each wave is gonna be harder, so to speak. And, you know, it's, it's not just in the water. It's, I also found snake venom in the patents, in the COVID-19 vaccine patents. It's listed as venom, and it's also listed as protolytic, uh, sorry, protolytic enzymes. So there's 10 patents, Johnson & Johnson, U.S. military, BioNTech, AstraZeneca, Rockefeller, Chinese military, Oxford University. There's a bunch of them. And <clears throat> yeah, it, it is being touted as an HIV drug. And this just came out in January of 2020. So there's six snake venom patents against HIV. So they're also selling, trying to sell it to us under the guise of it being antiviral and quote, preventing for the prevention and treatment of HIV infection. Yeah, during the super so, chat yesterday, during the live airing of the documentary, there were a lot of comments or a handful of them at least that said, hey, Snake venom is put in a lot of things and can be used therapeutically. Well, yeah, it's small doses. It can be therapeutic, but when you use too much, it's poison. And as Dr. Brian Artis said um, to Mike, Mike Adams, just uh, was released today, they, he talked about the quantity of venom found is off the charts after people used remdesivir. So you know, that, that, that doesn't hold water. So the claim is that snake venom works to protect against, get this, there's a study that says against the lentivirus. So it says through, quote, destruction of the viral membrane. So they're trying to say that, 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 that the venom is justified because it targets the virus, the virus and, and destroys the membrane. But what they're really saying, because we know that the lentivirus is a bioweapon, it's patented, right? It's in all of these COVID shots. They're trying to say that but what the snake venom is actually doing is that it's it's targeting your cell membrane and it's um, it, not the viral membrane. And that's so that- The endothelial cell specifically. Yeah, uh, those two, all, many cells in the body. All, you know, um, they can't target them all at once, but they do target it and they move around. Um, so it does edit your, so anyway, <clears throat> The idea, okay, there was, yes, there's a PubMed study that um, HIV is being, said that HIV is being encoded into people's cells to produce a new cell line persistently. And the Johnson & Johnson patent mentions RNA replicons, which are forever replicating proteins. So there's no question about that. We have that evidence. But I want people to know that the AI is writing these codes. They have written, the AI has been programmed. They came up with... Four Okay, I'm going to leave it there because uh, 
There you go. Okay, I'm gonna... okay, so that was me on my Mitchie page, and I'm pausing that. So um, there are solutions, by the way. She gave some solutions to the, 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 some inhibitors that block this this stuff and um, this venom. One of them's nicotine that Stu Peters mentioned, but there, there's another one. I, I can't remember what what it was. But anyway, uh, we'll we'll get that in just a moment. This is uh, this is crazy stuff, and I know that this is hard for people to believe, hard for people to fathom, because it's just so out of sync with our normal everyday reality that we perceive on a daily basis. I mean, it's sci-fi horror movie stuff, but uh, uh, you know, I can't have any other conclusion other than this is real. And it's actually happening. Get your thoughts, brother. No, it's very, very, very much interesting. I mean, and all I can think of is how, you know, for the time being when COVID-19 was at its highest, you know, as far as the news went. And the longer we researched, the longer we put time into, you know, uh, looking into these things, you know, the more it came, became evident till finally, hey, it was created in a lab, right? The evidence was there. So even if people are a little skeptic about it, you know, even because, I mean, it does sound crazy. You hear it, the way it was played, and you think, what? Wait a minute. Nah, conspiracy theory, right? Initial thought, initial response, conspiracy theory. But then again, What's been, you know, happening with so-called conspiracy theorists or theories the last few years? A lot of them are actually being proven to be right. Right. So I would encourage people to approach these things, you know, from a uh, not so much skepticism, but hey, let me look at it. Let me see if it's true. Follow the data. Let's follow the, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. the research. You know, these doctors, these people put in the time to look into these things, you know, and uh, oh. I, I, I'm going to approach it like that, right, brother, until, you know, I find it otherwise. But in the meantime, right. hey, it's not, it doesn't sound crazy. I mean, it sounds a lot of, you know, we talk about how only in the movies, right? But oh. you'd be surprised how, you know, if, what, two, three podcasts ago, we were talking about hacking, you know, uh, people, right? Right. Crazy technologies, stuff, right? right? Mini miniature technologies. Uh, we, this is right. possible, right? This, so. was a, this, this was this was a top advisor for Klaus Schwab talking about hacking. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and he's a person, yeah. in, you know, in a position that you know they're about talking about power and and control, and so a lot of times we need to listen to these people and see what they have to say. Yeah. Same thing with uh, what you just played. You know, right. we, we have to look into these things just like we were looking to see any theories about Scripture, right? What does the Bible tell right. us? You know, test them right. in light of Scripture. Let's see. Right. Let's see if they right. can hold up. You know, we do the same thing with things uh, in this world. Uh, but it, I, find it, I find it very interesting, brother. I mean, wow. I, it's going to make me look into it even more. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, it's amazing if that's the case. I mean, because all, we all know that... You know, snake venom can be, you know, it's deadly. It's deadly. And the thing is, is that uh, if, this, if this is all true, and there's strong evidence to back it up, mm-hmm. that it is true, that everything we have been told by our governments around the world 
has been false. Yeah. Think about that. This has been the if that if it's true, this has been the most massive psychological manipulation and warfare um, exercise ever conducted, and it it is worldwide. And people are responding almost robotically to the call for masks and shutdowns. Oh, another another round, right? We had um, the original COVID, Wuhan. We had Delta. We had Omicron. Now they're talking about another one, uh, it could possibly bird flu. Or yeah. they're talking about another uh, another round of of another COVID and all this. They're going to keep coming. I was reading Klaus Schwab's book. I got his new book, The Great Narrative. I, I read his original one, The Great Reset. Okay. And I've been reading The Great Narrative, and he said in that book, which it came out just a couple months ago, he said in that book that we are not living in uh, the COVID crisis. He said, we are living in the COVID era, and it would take decades to resolve it. Mm. Decades. So this tells you, now he is one of the top guys pushing a lot of this. You know, they'll create a problem, then they come and give you the solution, which in their case is not a solution. It's a deadly injection. I call it a lethal injection. Over 700 athletes this year, or in 2020, not this year, in, in 2020, over, or was it 2021? 2021, over 700 athletes dropped on the field during games. It was like 769, I think it was the number, somewhere around there. Now, I've watched sports a lot of my life, brother. I don't remember that ever happening. Unless it was a hard-hitting football, right. you know, yeah, and the guy gets a breath knocked out of him, or he's got a you know muscle damage or something from being hit, you know, but just dropping because you know nobody knows why. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think we know why now. I think we know what's happening. This is a, a this is an act of global genocide, if this is true. Mm. And I believe that the only way to deal with it is divine intervention. I don't see how when the people in, in governments around the world are playing along with this and nobody wants to be held accountable, nobody wants to make anyone else accountable for it, how anything it can be resolved because there's only two options, divine intervention or a mass revolution against governments on a global scale. Hmm. I prefer the first one to the second because <laughs> the second one can get real messy. But they're pushing people in that direction. And the problem is, is that they thought that people would be asleep but there are a lot of people that are awake. Like I said, millions of people have already watched that documentary. It just came out yesterday mm, okay. or the day before. It's been out two days now. It's already gone viral. And those 
people are going to be going, wait a minute. What is going on here? Right? Right. I saw uh, yesterday, I saw a, a um, interview with Dr. Malone, Dr. Robert Malone, who's uh, he's called the inventor of mRNA technology. And he was rejecting the shots. And he said they're they're using it wrong, and they're it's it's having horrible effects on people. It's killing people, and he's caught a lot of heat for it. Mm. When you get look at Dr. Peter McAuliffe, who's come out and he's he's one of the top um, cardiologists, I think, or neurosurgeon. I don't remember which one it was. Anyway, one of the top specialists in the country, and he has just gone against these shots Hmm. and yeah there's a lot of issues a lot of problems with them so heed that folks you can't trust anything the government's telling you right now because the government has lied to us way too many times what did russia find in those bio labs in ukraine right you know maybe they found the same thing that's being reported on Stu peters yeah, it would be interesting, huh? Yeah, it would be. So, just something to, to be aware of, folks. Do your homework on this because th- when I when I saw that document, it had a profound effect upon me. Yeah, it, it was hard for me to concentrate on trivial matters after that because if the world is under this kind of a threat which is a, a bigger threat than the Cuban Missile Crisis. And I was alive for that one. And that was a that was a big deal for the world. The world thought that, you know, we were going to be thrust into a nuclear war and the entire continents were going to be wiped out. That was scary. Um, this is on that scale, brother. Only mm-hmm. this is worse than that because this is biological it has been released worldwide. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This could wipe out an, a huge, huge number of people around the planet. It could reduce the population significantly. Worse than the Black Plague. Mm-hmm. If we let, if, if we don't get smart and start stopping, stop with the with the big pharma. Um, we want to make money solutions which are not working and in fact are killing people yeah right and go back to the things that we found do work when you read uh, the real anthony fauci by um kennedy jr jr um I, i've been reading that book and i've learned that uh, they have really uh destroyed the reputation of hydroxychloroquine by false pretense. Mm. The studies that they did, and they were small in the number of the studies that supported it, uh, but the studies they did on ACQ were flawed. And he explains exactly how they were flawed. They gave massive doses when they were late in the disease. That's not what it's for. 400 milligrams Early treatment works for hydroxychloroquine. They gave 2,400 milligrams late in the disease 
which was tox a toxic level, and then came out and said, oh, see, it doesn't work. It killed some <laughs> of our patients. Right. And they, they got caught on it. And a lot of these experts who, you know, worked a lot and so forth, they, they knew that the, that, that the study was flawed and they got caught on it and they got called out on it. But what did Fauci do? He just totally ignored the fact that they had just been totally embarrassed by those studies. Right. And he just kept pushing the same narrative. And, and the, the propaganda machine pumped it out to the people and people believed it. Fauci was the big hero for a while. Right. How's Fauci doing today, brother? <laughs> he's not liked very well. No, he's not. <laughs> so the question of that is, who's directing Fauci? Who's above him? Right. You know, is he right. is he going to be the fall guy so that they can escape responsibility? They do that, that kind of stuff a lot. So, yeah, I just wanted to put that out because, you know, this is this is too important and too serious to ignore. Don't go out and get these shots in your kids, folks. Dr. Arvis was talking about the fact that they're pushing Randesivir in small kids. And Randesivir had the worst clinical trials. Yeah, that's it's true. extremely dangerous. And kids are dying from this now. By, and parents are, are not, they don't, they just blindly believe everything they're told by an authority figure. But when that authority figure is ignorant themselves or they're in on it and there's sinister intentions of genocide, because I guarantee you, Klaus Schwab is put behind a lot of it, and the Melinda and or the, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation is behind a lot of it, among others. They've already talked about, openly talked about, the the, the need for a reduced population, and genocide is perfectly fine in their worldview to do that. And uh, it's it's that Marxist mindset. Yeah, absolutely. And so beware of that, folks. Don't be don't be naive. Bible says be wise as a serpent. Harmless as a dove, but wise as a serpent. Don't let them fool you. Do your homework. Be careful who you vote for. Just because it has an R behind its name doesn't mean it's good. <laughs> yeah, it's true. You got to do your homework. Make sure they truly do match your values and are not just faking it to get in. Uh, this, this, this election coming up is critical. Well, we better get on to um, the biblical prophecy part of it. Huh? Oh yeah. Let's Dude, get on much, to our favorite subject. How much time do we have brother? We got another 20, 25 minutes. Okay. I better hit this quick. Uh, all right, so the last time we looked at this, uh, this is a hard switch, I know, after all that. But uh, take a deep breath, folks. There is solutions. 
uh, go watch my video and on the C files and uh, on BitChute. And at the end, there's solutions to these problems, and I'm sure they'll come out more. I'll talk about it more as we go along. But let's get into this. So last time I talked about the 70 weeks of Daniel, and we talked about the fact that the 490 years of the 70 weeks of Daniel stretched from Artaxerxes the first all the way out to the ministry of Christ in his first coming. Mm -hmm. and, and the 70th week covered uh, that period of time when he entered his ministry, had the death, burial, resurrection of Christ, and we had the, um, the, the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit fell upon the, the believers as Christ promised that they would receive um, a comforter, and that was the Holy Spirit, and then, the, of course, the conversion of the Apostle Paul, which was huge as far as the carrying out of the Great Commission in the first generation of the church. That was out of uh, Daniel chapter 9. Tonight, I'm going to look at Daniel chapter 7, and we'll do as much as we can on this, brother. Now, in Daniel chapter 7, he there's a dream that Belshazzar, the... Uh, the, the king of Babylon has, and uh, he has Daniel to come and interpret the dream. Mm -hmm. And the dream is of, uh, there's four winds of heaven that strove upon the great sea, and that's the Mediterranean Sea, and four great beasts came up out of the sea, diverse one from another. So this was, this, this, these beasts are empires that grow up around the Mediterranean Sea. And so he describes them. The first one is like a lion, had eagle's wings, and uh, and uh, stood. And then he stood upon his feet and had the, uh, the heart of a man. He uh, had the feet as a man, and the, a man's heart given to it. And then the second one was like a bear with three ribs in his mouth. The third, like a leopard. And the fourth, uh, a beast dreadful and terrible. I mean, this beast was indescribable. Hmm. Uh, and strong exceedingly, and it had great iron teeth that devoured and break in pieces and stamped the residue with the feet of it, and it was diverse from all beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns, and then we'll get into the ten horns and all that in a moment. So let's first identify these beasts. So the, the interpretation is given later in the chapter that these are great nations that come out in the future, four kings, four great nations, four kingdoms. The first one was Babylon, that's the uh, that's the lion that was given the heart of a man. Now, if you remember, Nebuchadnezzar was a great lion that was taking down nations. He took down uh, Israel in 586 B.C. and took them into captivity, and that was a part of God's judgment on them for um, violating the first two commandments, having other gods before him and having images um, that they worshipped. And then the second was the Mede and Persian, the Medes and the Persians, the Persian Empire, really, um, that took down Babylon. Uh, they went in and marched in, in a dried up riverbed to get into the city because they dried up the riverbed with a dam and they went in and took, took it. That, remember, that was the night when there was a handwriting on the wall and he said, your kingdom is taken from you, Belshazzar. And that's the night that uh, the uh, Medes and the Persians went in and took over Babylon. Babylon was considered impenetrable, and they took it over. Mm 
And then after that was the Greek Empire, like a leopard. Well, that was Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great was like a leopard, and he uh, was swift. He was the very first Blitzkrieg, uh, where they would go, they would uh, attack quickly. They would move uh, across vast areas of land quickly, and and were very swift in their attacks. And that's what made them successful against uh, the Persians. And then the the beast that was large and terrible that was the Roman Empire, and the, the and the Roman Empire was very diverse. And so it talks about it being diverse because it was made up of all these different nations. And even in the Roman army, there were different factions of the Roman army identified by the different nations that they represented. And so it was an empire of many nations brought together. That was Rome. And uh, so then it talks about Rome having the following. Uh, his, the teeth were of iron, his nails of brass, which devoured and break in pieces of stamped and residue with his feet, and of the ten horns that were in his head, and of the other which uh, came up and before whom three fell. So three of the horns fell. Mm. And then... Um, and then one of them came up from the three that fell, and it says, a mouth and spake very great things, and whose look was more stout than his fellows. And I beheld the same horn that made war with the saints and prevailed against them. That Now, we're talking about what that was. Until the Ancient of Days, and the judgment was given to the saints and the Most High, and the time came to the, to the saints possessed the kingdom. So we know that the fourth and final kingdom they're talking about, which brings us further down into the passages, into the tribulation, was the Roman Empire. And this is why the dispensationalists need to create a revised Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. So they're not going to say, well, that Roman Empire that was there 2,000 years ago, that was the empire that brought that judgment of, you know, of the seven years of Jacob's trouble, it's called, or tribulation. Uh, no, that's a revised Roman Empire 2,000 years later, our day. Um, but there's nothing in these passages that even suggest that that is the case. So that would bring us to Rome and its act of the abomination of desolation, the armies of Rome surrounding Jerusalem, in uh, the late 60 80s and uh, and then finally taking it down in 80 70 and that falls within the uh, generation that would see those things right right out of right. all of the discourse <clears throat> now in revelation chapter 4 there are four beasts described as well as the four beasts in daniel 7 they are connected mm-hmm. right and i'm going to show you how so let me get to my notes here. So, so the 11 horns, let me go back. Okay, so we have, let me do the comparison. So in Daniel 7, you have Babylon, which is a lion with eagle's wings, becomes like a man with a man's heart. Now, remember Nebuchadnezzar, I believe was converted at the end of his life because it, it, it talks about it in Daniel chapter four, mm-hmm. his conversion, how God brought him, humbled him, and he praised God. And then, but in Revelation chapter four, he's also described as a lion. 
So the first beast would be Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. Okay. Okay. So the second one, bear with three ribs in the mouth. That's Persia and the Medes. And in Revelation 4, it's called a calf. It's seen as a calf. Now, that would be Cyrus the Great and Artaxerxes the first, because Artaxerxes gave the commandment to allow uh, Nehemiah to go back or, and also um, uh, Cyrus to go back, go back and, and or Ezra, excuse me, go back and build the temple and then Nehemiah go back and build the wall. That, that edict was given by Artaxerxes the first, who was of the Persian Empire. And then it was carried out under Cyprus the Great. And so Cyprus the Great would easily be associated with a calf because he allowed the sacrifices to come back into the temple, and that's calves being sacrificed as a substitute of atonement as the high priest would go in and once a year for the Day of Atonement and do that sacrifice. So that would make sense. Greece, a leopard with four wings and four heads. Now, this is, remember, there were four, four divisions of Greece. And when Alexander the, the Great died, those four generals uh, kind of split the kingdom up into four sections. That's right. And then uh, a man's face. Well, that would be Alexander the Great and the Greek Empire because, remember, they were big in human philosophy. Remember the, the Greek philosophers and right. all that. That makes sense. And in Rome, dreadful with iron teeth with diverse feet. And in Revelation 4, it's described as a flying eagle. What was the symbol of the Roman army, brother? An eagle. It was the eagle. The eagle always went in front of the army, right? That's right. And uh, before they would go in for the attack. So this these fit. So the four beasts of Revelation chapter 4 that were praising God around the throne, these are the Gentile nations that have come together under the redemption of Christ to praise God, and they're represented by these four empires. And... Um, each one, a lion, a calf, a man's face, and a flying eagle, would all represent an aspect of Jesus Christ. The lion being he's a lion of the tribe of Judah. The calf being he's a sacrificial, uh, he's a sacrifice for our sins, sacrificial lamb or sacrificial calf. And uh, a man's face, he took on a human body, right, in his incarnation. Right. A flying eagle, the resurrection of Christ. He's... He's uh, not restricted to the the, the uh, restrictions of this world any longer at that point. All right, so that's uh, that's that breakdown. Now we get to the idea of kingdom and horn. Now, kingdom is a dominion, empire, or extent of rule, totality or of territory, and uh, governs people, reign, administration, and so forth. A horn is a king. Superior leader, chief ruler, monarch, em emperor, Caesar. You can go down the list of the different titles for those. Uh, a figurehead of personification of a nation. So w what about these ten horns and that are mentioned in Daniel? Well, here they are. The 11 Roman emperors. Now, there's ten, and then there's the one, right? Right. That it's, that's mentioned. 
63 to 49 BC, Pompey the Great, the first Roman king since Rome possessed Jerusalem. 49 to 44 BC, Julius Caesar, the second king since they possessed Jerusalem. 27 BC to 14 AD, uh, Augustus, which was the third king under that. 14 AD to 34 AD, Tiberius is the fourth king. And uh, 37 to 41 AD, Caligula, uh, the fifth king. Caligula. Caligula. Thank you. My tongue doesn't work that way. (laughs) Um, 41 to 54 AD, Claudius, right? Number six. And then number seven, the most famous, who was also called the Beast, the 666. Yes, sir. 54 to 68 AD, Nero. Mm-hmm. Right, and then the final. Let's see. Is there, am I, no, not there yet. And then there's three that lasted only a, a month or two months or three months. They didn't last very long. They were no, kill, getting killed period. off real fast. So 68 to 69 A.D. Galba, and then 69 A.D. Otha, and 69 A.D. Uh, Valatius. Now they don't count because Jerusalem had revolted and gained freedom. Uh, and so during their reign, they, Rome did not have control over Jerusalem. So they're the three that are out of sync. They never possessed Jerusalem, but the revolt of Jerusalem was successful against Rome at that point. And then in 69 to 70 AD, Vespasian came in as the final, the 11th Roman king. He's quashed the revolt by destroying Jerusalem, Israel, and Jews. Little horn that uproots the previous three kings, revived and preserved Roman Empire from self-destruction. So 69 AD was the year of the four emperors. Mark Antony never king. He was called the supreme leader of the Romans, so he's not included. And... Uh, so that's the horns. Now, it fits perfectly within the 70 weeks of Daniel, absent any gap between the 69th and 70th week. Mm-hmm. And so that's your kings. That's your horns. And that was the takedown. And now everybody says, but that's supposed to, it's supposed to be a worldwide event. Really? Where does it say that? Where in scripture does it say that? And Where do you see only, it? Not only that, brother, when when you know people think of reading the Bible literally, mm-hmm. literally, like exactly they are expecting some sort of beast looking thing, you know, walking around with ten horns and uh, you know <laughs> and one of the things um, that I find super uh, amazing is that during that time throughout the historical context this type of description when it came to apocalyptic language, this is how they spoke. This is how they understood to uh, uh, understand nations and powers and authorities and things like that, right? That's correct. Yeah, they spoke a lot in metaphor when it came to that. Mm -hmm. The the, the, the language in the book of Revelation is very consistent with the language that's in the prophets of the Old Covenant books. Thank you for mentioning that because that's how you you make that connection and that's how it makes sense because it's it's this written the same way. Right? right. So right. 
It's written exactly the same way. And we cannot, on just our personal preference and whim, say, oh, well, this is literal and that's metaphorical. No, it's written that the entire book is writ- written metaphorically. Everything in it's metaphorical. Yes. And representative of something that's actual and real. Just like this, this dream was very metaphorical, but it was talking about real kingdoms and real people and, and real events. It was the same thing in the book of Revelation. By the way, it's Revelation, not Revelations. I don't know why everybody says Revelations. Not plural. I know. Yeah. I, I, I was guilty oh, of that, bro. <laughs> I was too. I have to admit, I, w- I did that for years. But uh, I'll confess that sin now. <laughs> <laughs> But not to you, brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, don't start putting some garb on and say, uh, yes, my son. No, don't do that, please. <laughs> I'm going to say my friend, the brain, the heretic. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Forgive me, Ricardo, for I have sinned, right? No, no, we're not doing that. So, But anyway, um, yeah, it's um, – that's it in a nutshell. I mean, that's Daniel 7. I mean, there's a lot more detail we could go in, but we don't have enough time, do we? <laughs> <laughs> we got about another seven minutes. Okay. So we better get our final thoughts in. Now, this one's, boy, it seems like short one on this one, even though it's over an hour. Yeah. No, no. It's true. The time yeah. goes by fast. Um, it does. I, I love that we are getting uh, through uh, the subject of prophecy. Why? Because there is a lot of misunderstanding when it comes to prophecy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not only that, you know, we have quite often shared about our about our own personal paradigm shift right uh, growing right. up uh, dispensationalist right. believing you know the darby uh, theories and all that good stuff right. uh unfortunately we will chat we were challenged you know right. we were open to that challenge and we did our own studying and mm-hmm. boy did we run into some walls right brother <laughs> we did, and it, it's not very comfortable to find out that uh, you, everything you believe for many, many, many years is absolutely wrong, and especially after you've been teaching it to people, and you go, uh-oh. <laughs> right, and that's probably the toughest part of it. Right. Why? Because, you right. know, if you take to heart what Scripture teaches, uh, that those that teach others, mm-hmm. you know, are going to be judged with a little bit higher uh, judgment, uh, we need to be challenged in our in our uh, in our belief. We need to be challenged right. in our doctrine and theology. So we right. we gotta allow these things to happen, right? And we pray right. that the Holy Spirit makes things clear, that it illuminates Scripture, so that we are to understand it. But the reason why I love that we're getting into prophecy, brother, is because every day, right, we see something new. Somebody put a date on it, you know, that Jesus is coming on this date, or another prophecy fulfilled. And, you know, Christians of all people are the ones that are running around like chickens with no head because they're scared, because it's this weight put on them, because they don't know, they don't understand really what scripture is teaching. Therefore, you know, when they're trying to talk to others and talk about futuristic things happening, Mm -hmm. and sometimes it's like that, that doesn't even make sense. So, you know, it puts Christians in a spot. And if you don't know any better, you're going to continue falling the same uh, uh, folly, right? Right. And therefore, oh. you know, I'm glad that we're doing this. I'm glad we're getting into yeah. the context of uh, the teaching. You you breaking down, you know, not only history, but also we're talking about the culture and the time and whom it was written to as well. Right. 
exactly. And and the, the thing is, is that the, we knew, really, really need to stop trying to interpret prophecy in the Bible by current events because it doesn't work. It never mm. works that way. We have to interpret Scripture with Scripture. And all that you and I are doing, brother, and what many of us, many uh, others who think the way we do, um, and there are many others, are doing is we're just comparing the prophecy with the prophecies. We're comparing the scriptures with the scriptures. And we're yep. saying this, this connects and it makes sense. And then we're looking at the history of what actually happened and connect, because we're not putting a gap between the 69th and 70th week. So anything that we're looking at has to land in that time period, in that generation, 40 years uh, from the end of that 70th week, which would put it in, you know, around 33 or so AD, somewhere around in there. So you count, you know, the uh, 40 uh, years up, which is right. correct. That's the correct biblical uh, um, generation. That's the generation that would see those things. And they saw them in the um, the uh, abomination of desolation that took place with the Roman army going in in AD 70 and taking down Israel and taking down the, the uh, temple and the sacrifices. The sacrifices ceased in the middle of, the, of those weeks, which is the prophecy of Daniel says that, and um, because of the Rome surrounding it, and the, the great that's when the great tribulation occurred in that last three and a half years, and that's when the sacrifices ceased. They were bringing an open shame to Christ, and God was going to bring that judgment. He stood before them at the end of the book of Matthew and said, you're going to see my judgment before you die. And he, mm. they did. They were there when that judgment yep. came. Now, the final consummation of sin is coming, but let's understand that we don't confuse that with the events that occurred then. The vast majority of the prophecies that we're reading and we're trying to put them into our day already occurred 2,000 years ago. Mm -hmm. We have to remember that. Yeah. Now, That's God true. will deal with the, you know, the sin has already been dealt with on the cross yes. and the resurrection of Christ. It's already been dealt with. The, the, the final consummation is just dealing with this flesh. Amen. And next week we'll get into, we'll end it. Next week we'll get into the growth of the kingdom because Daniel's very clear that the kingdom grows forever. The final kingdom, which is the church, grows and extends forever. It, it is it is never defeated. It continues to grow stronger and stronger and stronger, even though with our own eyes, we're looking around saying church is really messed up right now. But we don't see what God sees. And we don't see the purging that he's doing. Amen. Amen. Uh, that's a good spot right there, brother. To uh, to and uh, before I uh, hand it to you to close this out, I really appreciate what you said uh, in regards to uh, for those that hold to what we call covenant eschatology, uh, which is my brother, the brain and die that we hold to. Uh, yes, we allow scripture to interpret scripture, and man, brother, don't we feel no stress about it? Don't we feel like there's no weight up on us, right? We don't get frustrated with anyone. It's just like, 
No. This is what the Bible says, and this is where it interprets it, and this is what what it is. Exactly. I mean, even what we talked about earlier in this podcast at the beginning, it doesn't, I mean, it it disturbed me somewhat, but it doesn't devastate me because I'm in Christ. Amen. Amen. And I know he's got his providence and his sovereignty will determine the end of all these things, and he will do with me as he pleases. I'm I'm the pot, and he's the potter. And he will form me and do with me as he chooses. And I am very comfortable and relaxed in that. And if he wants to take us home, he can take us home. Glory. We'll be That's in right. glory. You know? Amen. So when you're in Christ, you have no fear when it comes to that. Yep. Yep. I'm Just with you. I, I'm, I'm the same way you are. I, I'm more like, uh, I think of uh, the Apostle Paul. Wherever he went to visit, he knew that he needed to learn his culture. And understand it so that he was well uh, uh, suited to teach the gospel or preach the gospel. And he lived by faith. He lived uh, as his hope in uh, the gospel. And that's it. Yep. That's that's true. Good stuff, brother. All right. I'm going to let you get to your event, brother. You close us out, my man. All right. Thanks for joining us, folks. And uh, continue to... um, by word of mouth, spread the word of this podcast and uh, uh, that we might uh, be a blessing to others. Remember, keep your mind sharp and your heart pure, and we'll see you next podcast. And we'll catch you on that flip side. You have been listening to the Vortex Apologetic Podcast. Hey there, ladies and gentlemen. We want to thank you for tuning in to listen to the Vortex Apologetic Podcast. It's a blessing to have you. We hope that you continue to enjoy the future episodes to tune in and share away with others that might be interested. Uh, I wanted to thank our families for supporting us, especially our wives that uh, they put up with us. They allow us to have time to study and spend time uh, in the Word of God. And uh, in return, they help us as well and they keep us accountable. It's a blessing to have them in our lives. So we want to especially thank them. I also want to thank uh, our church, uh, our friends, and men's study that we have that we continue to encourage, be encouraged about. I want to thank all these people because they support us and pray for us and uh, it's a blessing to have in our life. Other than that, I hope you continue to enjoy the Vortex Apologetic Podcast that we will talk to you soon. More episodes to come your way. Other than that, I'm out. We're out. God bless you. 